You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since That's who they were. Yeah, right? The Boogie Boys? Am I get that right? I hope I get that right. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love those guys when I was a, ch- a children, little boy. <laughs> used to break out the cardboard, man. Yeah, yeah. Fly Girl and uh, what was another song they had that was used? They had two really big songs. I remember. Fly Girl was the one I remember. Yeah, Fly Girl. And then there was, a, there was another one, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But of course, later while you're talking, I'm going to Google search. Because <laughs> yes. I need to know. All right. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am the Samurai, across the board from my good pal, Big Willie. We are doing some, uh, what we've conveniently called Toys for Tots, uh, which is like a little thing here in the States. <laughs> Large William thought it was funny when I started saying it, but I thought everybody called it that, so I didn't know. <laughs> we kind of do, but we said that the word tots is just a bit of a silly word, tots. Yeah, it's a very silly word. Bring the tots. Yeah, it always makes me think of tater tots. Absolutely. Always. I dropped a couple of those in my truck the other day. It was a sad. It was a sad moment when you get the little, you get the little box of tater tots. And you know, you only got like maybe ten or fifteen in there anyway, and you drop two. It's two down, man. Two soldiers down, just oh, getting man. them out of the bag. Are you going to say you dropped them in the porcelain? <laughs> oh no, no, not those kind of tots. Well, later on, I guess technically. <laughs> yeah, technically, I had some. Maybe had some tot issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we are covering uh, Kevin's pick of. Enemy Territory from the magical year of 1987. I told Will a few weeks back that you would be amazed that this is the only film on IMDb called Enemy Territory. <laughs> yeah. A, which is a, a title that's, I mean, it sounds like every straight-to-video title action movie could have used, uh, you know, would have used Enemy Territory. It's like such an easy title to use, and this is the only film I can think of that has the actual title Enemy Territory. 
when you run in the circles we do, words like justice, kill, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's certain, you know, a, a handful or a salad bowl of about 15 words that you got to search by title. It's like you got to go through 15 titles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Enemy Territory, 1987, that magical year. We'll talk more about that in just a few, and we're also doing Eric's uh, pick of uh, Space Adventure Cobra, which is an anime film from 82, I believe, and uh, anime, animation, call it what you want to call it. Uh, I should say that uh, Enemy Territory is directed by Peter Mnugian, who has been on the show before. He directed Arena, and uh, Space Adventure Cobra directed by Asamu, Asamu Dezaki. Um, Let's hope I get that right. Yeah, Osamu Dezaki sounds right to me. Yeah. All right, so that is what we're covering. Uh, what have you been? Oh, this we do this every week now since we got this thing going. Let's talk a little bit about the Indiegogo campaign again. We are uh, most of the way there. Still got a little ways to go. I'm gonna look at it right now. Actually, uh, Indiegogo slash GGTMC. The easiest way to find it. <laughs> And uh, currently we are at we need thirty three hundred euros, and we are at twenty one fifty three right now. Fourteen days left, two weeks. Big push to get twenty one hundred euros. I uh, we already bought a couple big heart boxes. I just kicked in for another one. We're going to give away some shit on the show. One yep. of our listeners contacted us. He's going to buy a couple t shirts to give away. So nice, nice. Please, um, I can't say it enough. I mean, support this thing. We don't want it to fall on its face. This getting close to the finish line, man. Yeah, we're getting really close, and uh, we've had a couple uh, b- big donations. Uh, I won't mention any names, but uh, they know who they are. Yeah. Thank you very much. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna kick in and get me some GGTMC stickers. It's crazy. Yeah. I have the show, and I don't even have a sticker. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get that, and uh, I still want to get a shirt, so I'm gonna oh, yeah. kick in for that too. But uh, yeah, we're gonna cut ours into half shirts, and yeah, yeah. Know. Although after looking at the group this past week realizing that the paul brothers do the half shirt from the top down they do yeah, that they do the other strange. way that's a very strange half shirt man i'm gonna go with that baby i'm gonna go with i'm gonna get two shirts and go one bottom one top you know that's true when you got tits that tough yeah I mean, oh. it calls for it to be a plunging neckline well yeah i mean i guess it depends on uh, you know if you're in a room full of women you can go with the top half off if you're in a room full of men you go with the bottom half off. that's right man <laughs> A shirt for every occasion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So what have you been watching lately? Well, I do want to say this. Just a reminder to put the Indiegogo yeah, yeah. ting in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of MLS listings, as I'm going to be talking about, until we fucking move. Um, it seems like all my free time, I'm looking at houses, looking at houses. and So I didn't watch a whole lot of movies. Uh, but I did get two things in. One in the theaters, one on TV. Um... The first thing I watched was with my kids. It's March break um, here in North America. I said March break there too. Uh, yeah, believe so. So yeah, March break, and um, we the kids wanted to go see Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Oh yeah. So we figured, you know, my mom doesn't get to the theater much. Why well, don't we go with her? We'll go check it out. Um, I I gotta say, uh, I really didn't care for this movie at all. Mm. I think Mr. Peabody is such an unlikable fucking cunt. <laughs> I hate Mr. Peabody. He is such a know-it-all piece of shit. It's like he makes his son, Sherman, call him Mr. Peabody. What kind of dad does that? <laughs> call me Mr. Peabody. Well, he's a dog, too. Oh, fuck, man. It's brutal. I, I got to say, 
this film rubbed me the wrong way. And the little girl in this film is, is an awful person. Yeah. An awful person. There's this whole thing of Sherman goes to school with a little boy and the girl starts in tech. She's bullies the boy, Sherman. She calls him a dog and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, Sherman bites her uh, because she's bullying him. She's physically and verbally bullying him. And uh, uh, anyway, the parents come over and he has a time machine called The Way Back. And the little girl, of course, takes it upon herself to use it and decides she's going to marry King Tide. causes a whole bunch of ruckus. She's just awful. And she's just, she has no redeeming qualities. Um, Peabody's terrible. Like, he's just so smarmy. And uh, I don't know. They, they, the only thing I like about this film is it, it's, it's a father-son relationship. Yeah. And it kind of gives young viewers a bit of a chance to look at things through history. King Todd and Abraham Lincoln, Leonardo da Vinci and stuff. But a lot of it's really uh, it's middle brow for kids stuff. It's, it's grading. Um, yeah, I didn't really care for it, man. Mm. Yeah, Especially probably, after seeing the Lego movie, it's like... Yeah, I'll probably be at the movies today watching that. My son saw a preview for it a long time ago, and he, uh, you know, he's he's into it now. He's into the movies now, so now he wants to go. So. Awesome. Movies are expensive, man. You're looking at a brownie, which is a $100 bill here. You have yeah. almost a brownie to take a family of four at the movies these days. Yeah, yeah, you are. I know. So I was uh, smarting after that one, but hey, the kids enjoyed it. Um, so that's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and the only other movie I watched this week, other than um, the movies for the show, was a film that uh, I had on my PVR for over a year. I only have <laughs> I've done that. Oh, fuck. I have about three or four left on there, so I'm trying to get them off. And it's Ieri Oggi Domani, which is Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, directed by Vittorio De Sica. And uh, this has Sofia Loren and Marcello Mastroianni. Um, in three different uh, vignettes about uh, three sort of different kinds of women and the men that, that love them or there that are attracted to them. Um, like most uh, anthologies, you know, mm -hmm. some work better than others. The first one's fantastic. They're very much a, a working class couple and there's some strange, strange Italian law that um, uh, if a woman's pregnant or nursing, she can't go to jail. And I guess they, I don't know, they, they defaulted on some payments for something and the cops are going to come and she says, I'm pregnant, you can't take me. And Anyway, they pulled this this uh, con for seven kids to keep her out of prison. So they end up with seven kids. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was funny, though, definitely. And, and it really made me appreciate Sophia Loren, which prompted a post on the group. Um, she was never a woman I found all that attractive. I thought she looked like an ostrich in a wig. Um, and then... <laughs> I saw a photo of her a few weeks ago, no, a few months ago, and I was like, man, she looks amazing. And, uh, and ever since then, now that I've seen this movie where it's sort of living, breathing, she, uh, she's dynamite, man. What a, what a figure on her. I mean, she really was something. I still maintain she looks much better with straight hair, though, with this curly, permed, short hair. Oh, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it was funny, man. Those were the two biggest stars in Italy at the time, and it was, it was, it's more of a fun film. My wife and I watched it, and um, it's not the kind of work I associate Jessica with. <clears throat> yeah, associate you know, realism. This is very much a, a Hollywood, well, uh, a big studio. Carlo Ponti produced it, who, who is her husband as well. It's very much a, a star vehicle for the for the masses. But it was still fun and charming enough. So 
Nice. Nice. All right, I only watched a well. I watched a little bit more than a few things. I watched four things this week. I watched uh, a little Randolph Scott Western Colt Forty Five, nice. one I hadn't seen, so I checked it out. It's only seventy minutes long on these little short B westerns that Randolph Scott made. Um, yeah, it, it's it's good. I mean, it's not it's not uh, you know mind blowing, and it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. So uh, it's pretty much you know white hat black hat. Very simple uh, film. Uh, pretty fun performance in it uh, for the bad guy. I mean, he's really going over the top, and it's <laughs> it's Nicholas Cage levels of over the top bad guyness uh, in there. Uh, it's pretty funny, um, but uh, it, it's a good film. It's a good film. It's uh, anyone prominent directed, or was it just kind of like a uh, I believe that was. Uh, let me check real quick. I don't think it. No, I don't think it was anybody. Well, I don't know. Prominent back then is a little different than prominent now, but. And when I say that, I mean it, it probably was a workman slash maybe, maybe prominent. Who knows? That directed by, let's see here. Let's see. So I didn't mean to derail you. I just didn't know if it was like Man or what's his name, Walsh or. It's uh, Edwin Edwin L. Marin. <laughs> so I don't Can't know. Can't familiar with that name person. <laughs> no, no, I'm not either. But it looks like he did some Randolph Scott work. Uh, looks like he did uh, Christmas Carol in 1938. Oh. And uh, a lot of westerns. I'm trying to see if there's like a big film in here. And of course, there's going to be somebody out there who's going to be like, "Sammy, I can't believe you didn't mention one." Yeah, of course, because <laughs> I threw this name out there. But uh, yeah. I'm looking through. Christmas Carol seems to be one of the biggest ones. Uh, yeah, a lot of <coughs> looks to be a lot of uh, westerns and stuff like that. Uh, Sugarfoot, Ray Rayton Pass, Fort Worth. Yeah, just a lot of stuff like that. Did he do the Alistair Sim version? Uh, let me double check that real quick for you. Like I'm put, I'm digging a hole for you here. Yeah, just digging it. Just <laughs> really going deep. I, I bet. Um, no, he did a, a, the original uh, original Owen one. <laughs> wow. I don't even know if I've seen this version, and I, I think I, I thought I'd seen you're everything. A fan of all those Scrooges, man. Yeah, yeah. Don't. I like all those Christmas carols. I mean, I'm you know I try to watch them all. I don't think I've seen that one. You can throw down a new one with some eggnog this year. I have a feeling like, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Shiftless is going to hear me talking about this name. Sammy, I can't believe you didn't mention like Tall Saddle or Johnny Angel or <laughs> yeah, right, any of these right. number of movies this guy directed because he's more of a... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do not. He died young, 52, so he didn't live very long. Anyway, yeah. Pretty pretty fun, very silly, uh, and like I said, a very very. It's got Lloyd Bridges in it too. It should be said, and uh, Alan Hale, uh, the Skipper's dad. Alan, you know, Alan right. Hale Jr. played the Skipper. So, but uh, Zach Thomas, Zachary Scott, I should say, is the guy that played the uh, bad guy, and uh, he is <laughs> he is way over the top, man. But he's he's having a blast. Let's put it that way. Um, I also watched uh, Dark Shadows, the uh, Tim Burton film. Uh, people, nobody asked me why, but uh, I think Will and I have both said on the show before. Neither one of us are really, you know, we 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 don't really have this this hard on for hatred that uh, some Tim Burton has generated uh, lately. Uh, I don't think I do think some of his best films are behind him. I agree there, but I do still like his aesthetic. I still like his uh, sense of humor. I still think it's very dry and it makes me chuckle. The sentiment, yeah, uh, and this one. Even though it's over long, I still I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performances, um, and uh, yeah, Depp in particular, who also gets a little bit blasted nowadays for some of the stuff he does. But uh, I liked his uh, Barnabas Collins. He's very funny. <laughs> I thought 
the way he overreacts to things and stuff. And uh, there's a good joke in there about Alice Cooper. It's an old joke, you know. Who is this? Who is this lady, Alice Cooper? <laughs> you know, but still, it uh, it made me laugh. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. It looks good in HD. It's like another good looking Burton film. So, whatever. Uh, then I switched gears, watched Don John, the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt directed film. This actually went away I didn't expect, uh, which was a pleasant <laughs> surprise. It's basically a rom-com, maybe from the male point of view. Uh, so it's a little bit more crass in some ways, um, but yeah, man, I got to say it, it. It's it's really it's really uh, not a bad film. I mean, it's not. It's definitely a first time director type feeling. You know, it, it's like he wants yeah. to kind of show some things, and uh, there's quite a bit of nudity from porn clips. And por- say Scarlet? Yeah, and Pornhub gets a lot of uh, gets a real strong push in this film. <laughs> I'm more of an ex hamster kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, me. I think I'm a nude Vista kind of guy. Oh, never heard of that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Proclivity is coming through on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Proclivity Podcast. That's right. But uh, Scarlett Johansson is incredibly sexy in the film. Uh, this Jersey girl. Uh, accent, bubblegum chewing thing. Uh, uh, Don, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt going strong with the uh, Jersey boy uh, uh, tank top with his dad. Uh, you know, very, very, you know, fucking every other word. Oh, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Does he, does he all go over the top with the accent? Uh, at times, yes. Yes. But everybody that he hangs out with does too. But he's, he's definitely playing a stereotype too. So. Sure, yeah. You know he's he's got the you know he's got the look. Let's say let's just say that I'm not going to mention any other things about it. <laughs> he's definitely got the look, but it's a it's a fun movie, man. It's a fun movie. Julianne Moore's Julianne Moore's good in it too. Oh, nice. Man. She's one of my favorites. She doesn't work very much anymore. I should say Tony Danza is really great too. I think I said something to you on the phone about it. But Tony Danza yeah. is a lot of fun. It's nice to see him and uh, do something different, uh, especially because he says fuck like every other word. Which is strange because we're used to him being on Who's the Boss, yeah, yeah sliding yeah. into Home Plate, <laughs> yeah. uh, Romancing Angela Bauer, and on daytime TV. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very cool. Well, he's That's good. Would it have made the top thirty? No, no, okay. not that good. Okay. Uh, it's still worth a watch. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Um, like I said, Scarlett Johansson is incredibly sexy in it, and uh, it is a it is an interesting film, and it does uh, it does deal a little bit with uh, porn addiction and some things like that, and. It's it's okay, but it's definitely a first time director type thing. Uh, I expect more, you know. I'll expect more good stuff. I'm, I've always liked Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so Me too, man. I expect he'll uh, have some better films and stuff. But this is not a bad. I mean, he wrote and directed this. This is not bad. Pretty good. Um, and like I said, it's got a nice twist to it. You don't kind of expect from this type of genre film, and it is a genre. It's it's basically uh, like I say, rom com told from a yeah, well, rom com sex sexy rom com told from a male perspective, definitely. Very male perspective, though. Uh, then uh, the last thing I watched was Grounded, The Making of the Last of Us, which is a video game documentary. It was free to own on Amazon or something like that. And uh, I'm a big video game guy, and the amount of work that goes into video games is insane. And I uh, wanted to kind of you know dig in a little bit, and so I dug in with that. and It was, it was pretty good, man. I know CDR watched it as well, and... Uh, yeah, so it's it's a recommend if you're into that kind of thing. If you're not into that kind of thing, and if you haven't played the game yet, I would probably say avoid. <laughs> but definitely, if you're not into that kind of thing, I would say avoid because, uh, you know, you just get a lot of people walking around in motion capture suits and and uh, talking about story and how you manipulate story with interactivity and all that kind of stuff. And some people are not going to be interested in that. So, But if you are, 
I mean, the Gentleman Gamers group, they might want to check it out. All right, so that's everything I watched. Okay, so what do you want to? What do you want to? What do you want to cover first? There, enemy territory or uh, space yeah, adventure cobra? Uh, that doesn't matter. Any preference for you? Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't care. Uh, let's do. Let's, I, well, I got enemy territory right here in front of me, so let's we'll do that. Cool. With Psycho and uh, Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back right after these words. One dark and stormy night in the mid-80s, Joe Bob Briggs, Harlan Ellison, and the ghost of El Santo pulled a train on Elvira while Siskel and Ebert sobbingly masturbated in the corner. From that union arose the greatest movie critic and luchador that ever lived. We're not going to talk about him. He's kind of a dick. Instead, we're going to talk about me, El Goro, the stuttering movie fan and host of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Every week on Talk Without Rhythm, I discuss two to three movies tangentially tied together by a theme. I cover action. And the most complete fighter in the world. Sci-fi. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Horror. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. And the continuing adventures of James Spader, sexual deviant. You're not worried that I'm going to fuck you, are you? I'm not interested in that, and I'm the least. Now pull up your skirt. So check me out at TWORpodcast.blogspot.com, drunkenzombie.com, or subscribe on iTunes. Talk Without Rhythm, the only podcast that will not attract the world. Adios. bit more boogie boys there for you yeah yeah there was some explaining to do <laughs> yeah. oh, boogie boy that's not the only piece of music on the soundtrack that lifts from good old carpy carpenter yeah 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 yeah. i wonder if he ever i wonder if he ever pursued that or anything i don't know probably sent him a, a pound of green sticky and <laughs> he called it even yeah it's true all right, so our first film of the uh, of the evening of the morning for us is uh, Enemy Territory, directed by one Peter Manoogian. Um Got a great name to say, Manoogian. Um Nineteen eighty and seven. Uh, basic plot synopsis: An insurance salesman inadvertently gets trapped after dark in an apartment building that is terrorized by a street gang called the Vampires. So, <laughs> so. Uh, who are neither street gang nor vampires. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think this is, a, this is the first time watch for both of us, I believe. Oh, yeah. I, th- I remember the box art, but I don't remember ever seeing the film. And, uh, of course, after I saw the film, I mean, I, don't, I still don't recall ever seeing it. But selection by Kevin. We won't mention the last name. But, uh, yeah, so this is uh, uh, you want to lead? I, I, I can lead on this. You, you, 
I, you know what it is. I'm I'm, sc- I'm scared to lead on the Japanimation film because <laughs> I've never lead. I've never covered one before. Yeah. Well, whatever you want, I'll cover the an- I'll lead on the anime if that's uh, what you want to do. Yeah, do yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> intimidated by the anime. Intimidated, bro. <laughs> All right, so enemy territory. Uh, this thing opens up, and man, it's <laughs> it's GGTMC to the bone when it opens up. <laughs> I mean, to the bone. To the bone. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, it's got a great kind of opening. Uh, you heard some of the music, uh, but it's showing the streets of New York, uh, those, those dirty streets that we enjoy in our genre cinema. And uh, they're really going for it. Uh, but they, this film does have, uh, it has Ray Parker Jr. in it of uh, Ghostbusters fame, who has a great IMDb photo, it should be said, Yeah. with him uh, strumming a guitar with some dreadlocks on a beach. He's uh, <laughs> something simply I think we all aspire to. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, between that and writing Ghostbusters, yes, we all do. And then getting sued by Huey Lewis, that's what we all aspire to do. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it also has such actors as uh, Tony Todd. Tony Todd's in here. This is uh, right before, not not just a few years before uh, Candyman, and right after Platoon. He was in Platoon. I didn't even remember he was in Platoon. Yep. Uh, Stacy Dash is in here. She's very attractive. She's. Nice. Uh, this is her film debut, should be said. Uh, and the, it's it's led by an actor named Gary Frank. Now, I know they were trying to push Gary Frank back in the 80s. I know. I think he had a... Uh, oh, I can't remember. I believe he had a TV show or something. I can't remember anyway. They should have pushed him out the fucking door. That's what they should have done. Yeah, he's pretty... He's, he's pretty, awful. Yeah, he's pretty... He's not really that great. Uh, so that... Maybe the one big weakness for the film, but Jen Michael Vincent's in here as well, playing a character named Parker, an ex-Vietnam aluminum <laughs> foil. We, we should see uh, uh, very much, probably the most sober, quote unquote. Uh, we've seen Jan Michael Vincent on screen. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe how. I don't think I've seen. I've seen some actors drunk in films before. Yeah. I don't think he does not not slur one line. Yeah. That's probably why they had him in the wheelchair. He couldn't stand up. Yeah, he probably couldn't. I don't know if he. Uh, this was before or after his accident, but this was definitely before. Uh, well, this was definitely during his uh, uh, drug and alcohol problem days. He was out of it, man. Um, oh, there's an actor in here named Tim Van Pelt. Um, but yeah, the Kadeem Hardison's in there. If you look real close, playing a character named A Train. Dwayne Wayne. Yeah, Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> And uh, an actor named Robert Lee Rush plays a character named Psycho with a great afro and uh, some serious ear cuffage going on. Tiger uh, Haynes. Yeah, Ti- Tiger Haynes is a great name. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else, but looking at his filmography, I'd say I have seen him in some other stuff. Born in 1907. Jeez. Yeah, oh, he, did the, he was the Tin Man in The Wiz. Yeah, he was the... He was the All uh, that jazz, he was a porter. So he's got a bit of a musical history. He was the, wasn't he the old... Uh, <laughs> The old security guard, security right? Security guard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just saw him in an episode of uh, The Cosby Show playing Coach Barry. Oddly, I was I was turning on the TV the other day and The Cosby Show was on and uh, <laughs> he was on there playing the coach and I was like, oh, it's it's the guy from Enemy Territory. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that all happens? Sometimes? Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, so it's got an interesting cast and um, um, I believe Stuart Kamitsky, who wrote the film, I believe. He wrote, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I'm not mistaken, he wrote some dialogue for Once Upon a Time in America, which is pretty crazy when you think about wow. <laughs> Think about that, uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he also, it should be said, wrote the story for Paul Ulitz on Komod Vodili. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so there you go. Interesting uh, tie to Sergio Leone in this film. <laughs> what a goulash this is. <laughs> so, they, like I said, it seems like they're really pushing Gary Frank. Um, but uh, he's he's a bit he's a bit bland to say the least. The the um, I said to say the least. So I know Will uh, Heaven's Trash is uh, smiling upon himself because he says every time you hear somebody say or right to say the least that he hears my voice saying it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I can't remember anything else. I think he was a soap actor and maybe a, a '70s TV actor. But I don't recall him from much anything other than nothing film wise. This is maybe. The only film I think I've ever seen him in. Now, I think he's been in some other films, but I don't. I don't recall him in them. Um, so, yeah. So they're giving him a push, and this is a basic setup. You get uh, he shows up to get an insurance policy, and uh, he goes to a bad part of town, and uh, then it kind of turns into essentially to kind of relate it to something modern without the action. It kind of turns into the raid or dread or something like that. Yeah, it does. It's funny. I didn't even think of the raid. I was going to say it's it's sort of like under the umbrella. Well, I thought of this because all the John Carpenter lifts from the score, but it almost reminds me of, um, in some ways, kind of a makeshift like Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yeah, 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 and something like this. It's a siege movie essentially. It's a siege movie, yeah, in in a lot of ways. So, and we get our our two leads, Ray Parker Jr., who plays Will, yeah, and Gary, who plays Barry. Um, they kind of uh, happen upon each other by accident and kind of become kind of create this kind of makeshift uh, like duo um, uh, just by accident because I think uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s character is going there to get laid and uh, he is yeah. on the company dime no less <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know so they kind of become this 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 kind of team and stuff uh, but in oh go ahead I was going to say but in reality see if this if they were going to use the t- quote unquote team terminology Ray Parker Jr. is the Barry is Barry Sanders and Gary Frank is the rest of the Detroit Lions yeah yeah, yeah. he's more like the a, most useless yeah, he's, he's like uh, Rodney Pete or something I don't know oh he's terrible Pete give Pete more credit than that <laughs> I guess so yeah <laughs> but yeah it's awful well he's essentially kind of like a uh, I guess the character we're supposed to relate to because he goes into urban turmoil you know he goes into this uh, urban world and you know he's this this white bread a uh, man who's uh, you know scared. Well, I don't know if he. I wouldn't say scared because he he walks right into it. But uh, but that's because I think he doesn't realize because he comes from a privileged world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they 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 tell you that yeah. a little bit. You know, they give him a little bit of background. He's evidently going through some uh, marital problems. I think he has children or whatever, maybe or something like that. They don't give him much though, and that's the thing I find so strange about the film is I feel like literally you could <laughs> edit his character out of the film and you'd have a much like because honestly, uh, he I couldn't have cared if he got a bullet in the head at any point in the film. I don't care about him. I hated him. <laughs> I really didn't like. I think it was just pointless. At least with Bray Parker Jr., you know he's he's a working class hero and yeah, he's, he's got much more charisma. I mean Parker isn't a great actor, but he no, he's not charisma. You're right. He's not a great actor. He is fun in this film. He's fun and he's yeah. got charisma, but he's very he's stiff with his line delivery. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. He doesn't need to be. Um, anything commanding, but yeah, he know, only just, did he only did uh, six films or TV shows in uh, uh, Enemy Territory, and he was the pizza delivery man in Disorderlies. <laughs> amazing, <laughs> revisit that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he he is fun in the film, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You can cut out that whole 
uh, especially that whole prologue with the uh, Gary Frank in the office with the boss and stuff. You could cut that whole thing out. You could really start the film at uh, him pulling up to the apartment complex. You could do that, or you could just erase him out of the film and just the the film instead of starting at the the uh, the fucking yuppie. Uh, business tower. You could start it with Ray Parker Jr. in his work van talking to his buddy. Yeah. Right. Uh, in uh, it, it, I will say though, in true you know exploitation manner, it does accelerate pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like maybe eight to ten minutes, and then we're into it, and uh, some things are going crazy. Sh- shankings and shootings. Yeah. <laughs> Our gang of vampires has some uh, tiger tooth earrings, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the saber tooth earring making yeah, an appearance. <laughs> dangly, very dangly. <laughs> yeah. Psycho in particular, like I said, he's got he's got the saber tooth hanging off his ear. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That thing's so they're so dangly it rests on his shoulder, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know where they shot this film. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at that right now. I would assume they shot it in New York, but you know, yeah, it says New York City, New York. So I'd, I'd be curious what uh, complex they shot it uh, shot it in because uh, yeah, it's it they found a pretty rundown building. They sure did. Pre, of course, the term gets passed around a lot, but pre Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the uh, I kind of I think maybe the star of the film really in a lot of ways is the location. Yeah, I really like the way they they use the um, the hallways, the long hallways. Absolutely. And these big doors and stuff. I really enjoyed that. I like the way they uh, move stuff around. They end up outdoors at some point for a crazy showdown, but. Uh, <laughs> That's got to be seen to be believed in some ways, but I, I think that the location is the key to a film like this. And this might be '87. You're talking about getting toward the end of this era of New York City in a lot of ways. I think the beginning of the the, the big cleanup, I guess, would have been. Uh, and this is not Times Square, so this might this area might still look this rundown, or maybe even worse now. I don't know. Um, but um, I had a really nice look. You know, it reminded me of, uh, you know, remember, uh, the, I think a film me and you both like Judgment Night. Mm-hmm. It kind of had that look a little bit, and uh, it was it was nice. Uh, and, of course, you know, it's one of these things where the vampires are this gang led by Tony Todd, and, and they come out at night uh, and cause trouble. And when the sun comes up, you know, they're a little bit more vulnerable, uh, kind of like a little metaphor there. Not, 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 Mnuchin is not playing heavy on it, but it's there. Yeah, uh, um, you know, I can't rem- like I said, I can't remember where Jan Michael Vincent was at this point in his career. Uh, I do know that by the mid '80s he was in uh, bad shape with uh, drugs and alcohol, and uh, it's pretty obvious. Like Will said, that he's uh, at this point he's he's pretty much he's 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 pretty. It's loaded. possible, yeah. He's it's possible he's pretty loaded at this point, and <laughs> very uh, possible. And uh, yeah, he's really going for it, to say the least. He went method with the drunk ex-Vietnam guy. You know, he hasn't done anything on screen since two thousand and four. Buffalo '66. Uh, that was '98. Uh, oh fuck! Yeah, his last film he's done was uh, Escape to Grizzly Mountain. Man, it's such a shame. I love Jim Michael Vincent. He was uh, he really had it, and. Uh, he had it all except a name. Um, fuck. Yeah, it's too bad. He has had a nice little turn as uh, the bowling alley uh, guy in Buffalo 66. Yeah. I remember, I think it might have been the 90s, the mid-90s or whatever, when he had a really bad uh, car wreck. Messed his face up and stuff like that. Uh, do drugs now call. And I, I don't think he was, uh, well, he might have been crippled for a little while, for if I remember correctly, but I'm not positive about that, so. 
But you know, he yeah, he to say the least, he had a really bad uh stretch there. Stretch of uh of luck and uh decision making. <laughs> yeah. Uh some bad decisions were made. Involved in a car crash and resulting in a broken neck in nineteen ninety six. So there you go. Oh man. Yeah. Ninety six? So, yep. Eesh. It's crazy how his career went. Because he got pretty big, but at one point, you know, he was he was the leading uh actor to play uh uh Hooper in Jaws at one point. And Richard yeah. Dreyfus ended up playing Hooper. So to think of interesting. I I think it would have been interesting to see JMV, man. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, he was making two hundred and fifty K a week on Airwolf. Yeah, that Airwolf paper, man. Yeah. Well no wonder he did the show. <laughs> that was probably his habit money. <laughs> yeah, two fifty. Wow. That's a lot. It's too bad, man. He and he's been on our show, we should say, a few times before. He's he's a favorite of ours. Yeah. Um he actually stars in my favorite Bronson film, which we've covered on the show. Yeah, Metal yeah. Metal yeah. Mikey, mechanic. Not yeah. in hard times. Huh? And he'll be on the show again because he did a lot of genre stuff. And yeah. uh so you know, he'll come up again. In there, but you know, he was he was huge for a while. I mean, he had a he had a moment, and unfortunately, he kind of squandered it away. What was that one uh, we loved? Uh, we did on the show. What, White White Line Fever. White Line Fever, where he's got the great name Carol Joe Hummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Carol Joe Hummer. Amazing. But he's got. Uh, I'm looking through his filmography though. He's, there's a lot of stuff we still could cover. Vigilante Forest, Damnation Alley, Baby Blue Marine, which I know Zom's a fan of. Yeah. Bite the bullet. I've never seen Bite, Bite the, the bullet. bullet. <laughs> I've never seen that. Well, Plays a character named Carbo. Oh, it's a Gene Hackman Western. Gene Hackman Western. Yeah, Candace right. Bergen, James Coburn, Ben Johnson. Yeah. Oh, da- the Dabney's in it. Dabney <laughs> Coleman, Sally Kirkland, Walter Scott. Wow. Nice. I'll check it out at some point. Anyway, uh, he is definitely uh, cashing a check here. It's a small performance. He's basically in a little studio room <laughs> covered in aluminum foil and big lights. <laughs> yeah. Looks like just a room they found somewhere. And, uh, you know, kind of going over the top with it and stuff. But uh, I have to say, though, he is animated in this. I mean, he's, he, is. He, he can sometimes be like Bronson. He could sometimes just be very stoic and stand still uh, because he had a look. And he could rely on that look a lot. And uh, kind of tough guy look. Well, kind of good, kind of baby face tough guy. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, he is, but he does have an intensity that's yeah. very, very tangible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a really weird element of race and message at play in this film. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange with, with racial assumptions on both sides yeah. that are really shitty. I know. It, that's one of the weirdest things about this film is I'm watching and I'm like, ooh, ooh. This film is not politically correct in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, wouldn't play well today, probably. But, again, it's an era, you know, um, this kind of stuff was still pretty prevalent. In the, in the 87... Sometimes I'll say that magical year of 87 because there was a lot of crazy movies that came out 86, 87, 88 in that era because you're starting to see a transition in culture. Uh, I think political correctness is right around the corner. Um, you're seeing a lot of uh, the movie minority stuff is starting to go to the side. You're seeing a lot more of it, uh, you know, this, the equal uh, parts. And people are just kind of, kind of, and I felt that this film, you know, I, I feel like maybe one of the reasons. I mean, obviously, it's not on Blu-ray, but I mean, one of the reasons why I don't think it's ever gotten a uh, DVD release either. Uh, I don't know if they could sell it. First of all, I don't know who's out there looking for a Ray Parker Jr. movie, or uh, well, we were. Well, yeah, we would. <laughs> Thankfully, it's on YouTube. Yeah, but with, with, uh, with those great Dutch subtitles. Yes, yes. <laughs> Always nice to see the Dutch subtitles. <laughs> 
Um, but it, it it's one of those films where you know you can see that it might be a little tough to sell, but at the same time, it might not be too expensive. So you wonder why somebody hasn't just thrown it out there anyway. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> this has one of the long, one of the more when I, I was talking about the 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 stuff at the end. Okay, there is a walk by a character toward the end of this film, towards another character. It is one of the more longer sexual bad guy walks I've seen. <laughs> there are some serious homoerotic undertones coming through oh, yeah. <laughs> in this walk, in this kind of this kind of old school uh, western showdown in the in, in the uh, in the urban uh, uh, urban wild. Uh, it's 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 pretty crazy, man. And it, 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 if you look at it and you don't know what uh, is going on, and you were kind of just being, you know childish and stuff you could tell he could say that what is he going to do is he going to shoot the guy is he going to rape him what is he going to do to him yeah. it's very bizarre it's uh i believe it's tony todd doing the walk i think it is yeah you're that strut yeah so it's 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 I, I did like the climax i liked the climax of the film i liked a lot of the uh scenes running through the hallways although i think they could have done some more there uh really they only go into a couple of rooms um but i feel like they could have done a little bit more there the the older lady seems kind of I know why she's there, but other than to be the, uh, I guess she's the mother or the grandmother of the Stacy Dash character too. I guess, yeah. Uh, or maybe the aunt, auntie. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, I can see why she's there, but she seems kind of useless at one point. And, um, but you know, it's an exploitation film from the eighties, and it, it it serves its purpose. I mean, it, yeah. It's it's. I gotta say, I was entertained by this thing. It it uh, it's no great shakes, but at the same time. I was never bored. Uh, I, I'm like you, though. I, I didn't care for the Gary Frank character, nor his acting. Um, but outside of that, uh, I wish some of the other thugs would have had a little bit more charisma. Yes, they, they were pretty anonymous for a gang called the Vampires. I yeah. felt like they were just... Just Tony, Tony Todd and the Psycho character were the two best ones. And they give them just about everything. Um, yeah, it's really uh, like a like a ninety ten split. Yeah, it really is, and uh, they needed to get. I think you know, in this type of genre, I think your bad guys really got to be. They really got to. They really got to sell, and uh, I don't think they. They. I mean, they all they had to do is they could have done a little bit more in the background as far as uh, wacky fashion or. Oh, for sure. Or just anything. give them a few lines, and make them just chew it up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, or maybe give them a. You know, a little bit more uh, craziness. Uh, maybe add a, a, a rapist to the mix, which I was actually kind of surprised. I expected to see some of that because it's an exploitation film. You, you kind of expect certain things in these yeah. type movies. I mean, the vampire gang itself is huge. I it mean, is. as far as the credits, there's like 20 people in the gang, but I can only remember two. So yeah, they're pretty anonymous. And the reason, I, the only reason I remember Dwayne Wayne is because it was Dwayne Wayne. Yeah. Now we'll say this: there's one interesting. Um, uh, and it'll it'll give away my MVT. But if there's one interesting thing about this film, this film was shot by Ernest Dickerson. Yes, I was going to mention that. And uh, Ernest Dickerson's a a pretty good director, but uh, really good. I think he's one of the better cinematographers to come out of the uh, '80s, '90s. Yeah, absolutely. African American worked with Spike Lee a lot, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, he I mean he shoots uh, he shoots well, and uh, mm-hmm. he shot uh, this film. And I got to say, yeah, man. Looks, it looks good. It, it, it the, does. the building feels oppressive, like you were talking about those long hallways and stuff. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling of kind of oppression and claustrophobia and anxiety in the building. Yep. And he, uh, he you know, he shot like uh, Will said, he shot most of. Uh, I think he was working with Spike Lee 
exclusive. Right she's got to have it up through Malcolm X. Yeah, pretty exclusively up till Malcolm X, and then I think he uh, he hasn't worked with him since. Don't know if there was a thing, but you know he also shot Crush Groove. Yeah, and, man, uh, Brother from Another Planet, and Eddie yeah. Murphy's Raw, and, and we're gonna be covering stuff. Brother from Another Planet at some point on the yeah. show. He shot Death by Temptation. I mean, he, he, wicked. Which yeah. speaking of Dwayne Wayne, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he shot a lot of stuff, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a he's pretty solid, and he he directs a lot of TV now. Uh, he works on The Walking Dead, and he worked on Tremaine, Tremaine. and uh, stuff like that. So he shoots a lot of TV now, so he doesn't get a lot of film stuff. But you know, he I think he did Demon Knight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm he mistaken. did. Yeah, he did. I thought he did. But uh, yeah, he's a. He's a good filmmaker, and uh, I'd, I'd like to see him do more. I wish he was doing more films. I wish he was, but unfortunately, you know, he's kind of went to TV. I don't think they really want, uh, you know, well, I mean, maybe not unfortunately for him, though, because that is a solid paycheck. But he did direct Surviving the Game, which is something else we'll be talking about at some point, too, which is a Rutger Hauer Ice Tea. Yeah, man. Kind of fun film. All right, but that's all my notes on uh, Enemy Territory. What would you think? Territory. Uh, I was territory. I better got it on my mind. Enemy <laughs> 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 Territory. <laughs> Should say Charles Charles Band is the executive producer on this, and so yeah, you guys know what kind of films he produced. Yeah, exactly. He's no Carlo Ponti, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely for sure. Uh, how about that penetrator photo that Aaron put on the group? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh fuck! I gotta get off that. I'm been mesmerized. I can look at one of those three D those. Um, 3D puzzle photos from the 90s. I've been staring at it for about five minutes. Um, so, yeah, uh, you talked about a lot of stuff. 87 was a great year. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, there was a lot of great stuff that came out in 87. And uh, if you go back and look at the year of 87 cinematically, you'll see a lot of a lot of gems, a lot of gems in there. Oh, big time. Now, this kind of works that slumlord. Not really, but there's definitely the, the, the awareness of race. And they, like we've seen, they perpetuate and play up some gross um, some gross stereotypes and, and some gross sort of racial assumptions are made on both sides and yeah. it's uh, it's weird because Frank reminded me sort of like a much more bland less likable skeezy suit wearing Matthew Lillard I don't know it didn't really work yeah but, yeah there was a Lillard I got a Lillard vibe too there you go nice a bit of a Lillard vibe <laughs> um, Ray Parker Jr. has a great line uh, yeah. He's talking to his buddy in the van. He says, come on, man, take a bath, have a Miller Lite, loosen up a bit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the recipe right there for relaxation. Yeah. Um, a lot of rolled head. This film's very GGTMC at its fashion core. A lot of rolled <laughs> yeah. headbands. Yeah, and blue jean jackets. And a lot of, dude, there's a lot of leathers and a lot of denim in this. Yeah, the, I, I, forgot, I failed to mention the Canadian tuxedo, but. There's, yeah, our hero, Ray Parker Jr., and he was very much a coulda, woulda, shoulda, other than, see, he was a guy, I watched a documentary on him, actually, last year sometime, I fell on the YouTube rabbit hole, and uh, he, he could have been bigger, man, like, he always was kind of on the, the cusp of, I mean, I, you know, we got the, the ghost butter, ghost butter. Um, oh, man, whenever... Whenever I go in the back door, I like to use a little ghost butter. Well, I told you I saw some lube at that show a few few weeks ago with my wife called Boy Butter. It's ridiculous. So we want to get some ghost boy butter. Ghost boy butter. Um, I got to say, actually, speaking of Ray Parker Jr., my, my son Braden, my three-year-old son, his favorite song is the Ghostbusters theme song. He always wants to hear it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got a, uh, you know. 
he'll probably be into I want a new drug next. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And it's crazy because I don't know, like, oh, man, how does he know that? We'll be in the van, and I'll just hear like this kind of quiet voice go, "Who are you gonna call?" <laughs> Right? And I turn around, and then I'll have to get my phone out, and I'll hold my phone so he can see it as I'm driving, and yeah, you know, they love I think, it. But I think as time has gone on, people, I mean, that, the cultural impact of the Ghostbusters theme song, huge, is is was gigantic, especially for huge. a whole generation of uh, of people. Uh, it was, I mean, it was just. I think people forget how huge that was. I haven't seen that movie since I was probably about ten or eleven. It was the first VHS tape we ever owned. That, and I've said this before, that and a Eurythmics music video compilation. Yeah. The video, the oh man, my voice just broke. Oh, <laughs> oh man, shouldn't have used that yeah, that ghost boy butter really got in there. Yeah. Oh man, uh, the video for uh, oh, the, <laughs> the Paul Incast. <laughs> the video for uh, Ghostbusters is very GGTMC. It should be said as well. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. I love whenever I think of Ghostbusters. Now I always think of uh, um, on our group. Oh gosh, <coughs> Rich! Rich over in—I uh, don't want to say his last name—Rich over in England. He wanted to show his daughter Ghostbusters. You know, it's a film from his childhood. And he goes, and then I forgot there was a ghost blowjob scene because I, I didn't—I <laughs> didn't know how you know yeah. how to get through that one without explaining anything. It was a different time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, the security guard has this, with this bizarre line where he says they send they send a white man from Vulcan for Alpha Biggs. <laughs> was Vulcan even the name of Spock's planet? Was it Vulcan? Uh, yeah, yeah. Vulcan was uh, the name of the planet. I hope, it, man. I hope I got that right. That that, that could you know, cause me some serious problems. But I could lose some cred, bro. <laughs> I could lose some I uh, Star Trek I, cred. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're gonna be relegated to red suit status for that. <laughs> yeah, throw the red shirt at me. The red shirt, but I say red suit. Now he lost it when I said red suit. Yeah, um, I love that the white, the white, the the cracker gang in this that that is only mentioned. They're called the pig stickers. <laughs> pig stickers. Ridiculous. Yeah, I think the uh, the Latino gang is called El Mortos El Mortos. El Morte. El Morte. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what so they're they going. Get, they get the Hispanics <laughs> and the blacks get the cool kind of supernatural names, and the whites get stuff with pig stickers. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. yeah, uh, big you know big Deliverance fans. Big right. Deliverance fans, that's right, man. Uh, they all got uh, pinups and Ned Beatty on their wall. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, this plays in the thing like New Jack City and stuff, where you get like the super ghetto building that's sort of overrun by a gang you know you go back and watch new jack city it's crazy how like cartoon it is in spots yeah 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 crazy and this is at the height of the crack epidemic too right so i'm surprised you didn't see any crackies in this film man no they don't really go into the the drug part of it they keep it kind of tame like relatively you know relatively speaking yeah i don't i thankfully i don't think there's any n-words either right so that's good yeah really the only reason why the vampire gang is after our character is because he's white Yes, which and, well, again, I'm telling you, the the race thing is is odd on all angles in this film. It's very odd. <laughs> this is this reminds me because um, Ray Parker Jr. and oh look at that we got uh, never mind uh, and Jan Michael Vincent uh, both are, are nom vets and I have to say as we get older here the the nom vet thing is very much um, a part of our like our films of our generation the nom vet thing is going to be gone pretty soon. 
if not already. Yeah, it's not really as common as we see. I mean, you you, you see a little bit more. Uh, you see some Gulf War vet stuff, and you see. Uh, but to say no, that's good. That's yeah. You know, we're getting far yeah. removed. Yeah, we're getting pretty far removed from it. I think the only time you're really going to see it is going to be with. Uh, uh, Throwback. Yeah, throwbacks. People <laughs> shooting films with. Stuff like that, but yeah, that was a huge part of our childhood, right? I mean, you know, everybody, every film it seemed like had had the crazy nom vet guy, the crazy nom vet, or the ex special forces nom guy, or yeah. you know, it was always part of it. Um, <laughs> a lot of fingerless gloves in this film. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fingerless gloves. Uh, yeah, the fashion is totally GGTMC. I can see why Kevin selected it in some way. There's a pecking order. It seems like the the, the foot soldiers wear denim and the higher ups wear leathers. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, it's very GGTMC, similar to the uh, the Blu-ray Vikings uh, Zubaz photo the other night. Absolutely, man. I love that. It's so bizarre. Um, there's that great convention, too, when you get high-rise buildings, the tenements where someone busts through an unsuspecting residence window. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's so strange. Uh, these two girls are sitting in the bed, and they're like, are you going to rape me? To the white guy. <laughs> I know. And Ray Parker Jr., because they... Peter Frank, whatever his name is, has this, this wad of money he got for this insurance policy. And he gets him to peel off some money. And he gives it to the kids and he goes, tell, tell mom Santa Claus came early. It's just very strange. Yeah. Um, what so I told you, man. It, it, that's what I, I think I, I got from this film is the tone is so odd. Uh, it's both interesting and interesting watch. But at the same time, to recommend it to somebody, I almost feel kind of skeevy. Yeah, but I, I think it's it's um, it's not. Um, it's I don't not think it was inspired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's you know, thankfully, I do have to say one thing that's awesome. JMV um, bought his wheelchair at the Ogami Ogami Ito House of Wheelchairs because that fucking gun's got a blow dart equipped on the side of it. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And uh, there is actually there is a really scuzzy line that Tony Todd says to Stacey Dash. When they capture her, they say, you're going to take it in every hole in your body. Then I'll cut some new holes, and you'll take it there, too. <laughs> yeah. I know. So repulsive. <laughs> um, imagine Rowdy Roddy Piper in the, in the Chan Michael Vincent role. <laughs> yeah. It'd be amazing. Um, you, va- like- you vampires! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get away from my door! It's been amazing, man. Yeah, exactly. Um... This is really, I don't know, it's nothing to do with the film, but I saw this YouTube comment from this Russian dude. <laughs> and his comment was, movie of my childhood, need find in Russian. That's the YouTube comment. It's amazing. Um, we get to see a sawed-off shotgun, which is very much a convention of films at the time. And Yeah. yeah. Oh, my voice, one. man. Ooh. I, th- I, got, uh, I should say, for the record, I do have a bit of a cough and an upper respiratory thing going on. Um, but uh, I don't think my voice has ever broke on the air until this this week. We've done two hundred and something episodes, almost three hundred episodes of the show. That's amazing! <laughs> and then my voice has never broke, so I'm just going through puberty now. That's right, evidently. So my voice is going to get even deeper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, there's one of the most bizarre instruments to ever deliver a knockout punch on screen in a film, and it's a great. It's a a children's swing to the chin. Yeah. And it's very bizarre because then it follows this sort of Shakespearean awkward speech of Tony Todd screaming, he is immortal. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah, those are kind of all my notes. Yeah, and, and that's what I said. That 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 out that uh, finale is so bizarre that uh, I just you know, it's worth a watch just for that. But I think it's you know it's a it's a good little siege movie to say the least. Um, okay, my uh, make a break scene. Oh man, that's kind of, that was the tougher one for me than the uh, MVT. The MVT for me is uh, easily it's going to be uh, Ernest Dickerson. Although I did I did write down. Uh, setting and tony todd also for uh kind of question marks because those are really good too uh really kind of fun uh things but uh i i, I I'll, I'll go with dickerson because i think uh, the cinematography is really good so this should I, I would like to see this get like a you know a proper digital release that would be nice clean it up a little bit i mean it wouldn't have to be high def blu-ray or whatever but you know it would be nice to see it uh a little better taken care of um because it does kind of capture a an era in uh, cinema in a way and I, you know, I think these films are just as important as you know the big films we talk about all the time um, I'm going to go I like the uh, I like the introduction of uh, Tony Todd and uh, <coughs> Psycho and his gang but I'm going to go with the Jan Michael Vincent introduction scene I really like that he's going for it I mean he's really kind of going for it big time you know what I'm not going to do that I'm going to go with the finale because I do like the finale quite a bit. I've talked about it a couple of times, and I don't know why I didn't write that down, but I do like the finale quite a bit. So I'll go with that. My score for this film is 6.75 out of 10. I think it's perfectly reasonable, good movie. Um, not a Pantheon type thing, but definitely a. Uh, and me, uh, Will and I are both big fans of the Siege element. Uh, we'll be the first ones to tell you that one of the first films we talked about together was a Siege film, uh, was the uh, French film, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we really enjoy that that uh, that element in cinema and stuff. So I, I had a good time with this. Six point seven five. Nice. My make or break. I'm going to go with the Jan Michael Vincent introduction. His apartment looks like the the room after Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon tinfoiled <laughs> the motel room in Bug. <laughs> Crazy. He's all paranoid, and he's talking about having birds in case they poison his apartment. And he feeds food to cats to make sure it's not poisoned. <laughs> And he's scared of getting pink eye. And that room's got to get hot. That's got to smell awful. <laughs> oh, I know. Jeez. Um, my MVT is the setting. The building works pretty well. It's kind of a cartoony, kind of tenement, super, you know, super crime building. Um, my score is a little bit lower than yours. It's a 6.5. Um, I wish they had a one a little bit sleazier or a little bit more kind of bonkers action. Um, but you know, in saying that, it's definitely a fun watch. And it feels like the kind of film that if you caught it in the '80s as a like a kid, it would be um, like a favorite. Like you know what I mean? Like for some of us, Last Dragon's big. I mean, I feel like this one was kind of kind of like that. Yeah, no, I, I would. I, I, this is one of those weird ones where I can't believe I didn't see it on cable uh, growing up because I was about uh, 14 or 15 years old when this came out, and it seems like something I would have watched repeatedly. Yeah. Um, but I had never seen it. It uh, it got past me. So go figure. All right. So that, what was that score again? Six point five. Okay. Nice. Nice. All right. There's our. Uh, hopefully my voice won't crack anymore. That's uh, <laughs> coverage of uh, <coughs> man of uh, Jesus. I came from the title of the film. Enemy territory. There we go. Uh, we're gonna take a short break. Come back and talk about space adventure Cobra. Thanks for the pick, Kevin. Now it's on to. Eric, here we go. Be right back. No one would have believed in the first years of the 21st century that Hammer Films were being watched 
from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus Films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this aerial film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamacus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamacus.com and iTunes. Cheers. kind of my first uh that that video there's my kind of my first exposure to this film so i never saw it but uh if you see the video the matthew sweet video you'll see uh some clips from space adventure cobra dude i was gonna ask you man because i was a bit of a matthew sweet fan in high school yeah nice yeah little maddie sweet daddy yeah let's hope my voice don't crack when i say matthew sweet (laughs) all right so space adventure cobra 1982 plot synopsis Cobra, a famous space pirate with a psycho gun hidden in his left arm, supposed dead for two years, is back in action. And that's <laughs> that is uh, the uh, plot synopsis. So we have never covered a uh, anime film or Japanimation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, back when I was a kid, they called it Japanimation, maybe anime, anime. I think that was. Uh, oh man, I just found out Julius Pepper signed with the Packers. Yeah, yeah. I, fr- I thought you. Uh, yeah, I would have thought you would have known that. Fuck. I saw that yesterday, actually. I was like, ah. Fantastic. Yeah, that is. that With a V, even. Yeah, that was fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Nice. But, Sorry uh, about that. No, that's okay. Uh, I'd be excited, too. <laughs> if it was uh, the Steelers' Sorry. side peppers. <laughs> Sorry, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's to kind of rub it, in the, uh, rub it in the old eyeball there. We call it double win. Yeah. Um, but, uh so yeah, I, I, we just never have really ever covered anything like this. So I was kind of excited when uh, Eric picked this because uh, it was just something different for us to do. And uh, I'm not the biggest fan of anime. I'll be honest, forthright. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, junk in it, in my opinion. But there are I have seen some good ones. So I'm not going to say that it's all bad. But uh, and there are some people I think who uh, some directors and uh, filmmakers and stuff who really kind of uh, overachieve with the form, but. Uh, it's not really my my bag, so to speak. But I'm but still, I'd never seen this, and I, I'm kind of glad we got around to doing it. So, what did you think of Space Adventure Cobra? 
So yeah, uh, my history with anime is also that you know growing up there was this um, they used that that phrase that you use Japanimation, which it was just more of a you know a sell a phrase to, to kind of sell what it was to. Um, uh, it seems like maybe there was like a video label called Japanimation or something. There, there may very well have been, and I in fact called it Japanimation uh, as a kid and up until probably high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's there's some big ones, you know, the Kira's <laughs> of the world and Ghost in the Shell. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought it was anime, uh, not oh, an, yeah, not anime, fair. anime. That's fair. No, that's fair <laughs> for sure. Um, so you know, I mean, it was it was a thing that I I have to kind of thank it in some ways for the it, it was something that I I admired the aesthetic more than I admired the films. Yeah, um, it was a little harder to get a hold of here. I mean, you'd see some on TV and stuff, and some of the cartoons we liked as kids, like Voltron and stuff, were exports. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or imports uh, here. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it, I was familiar with it. I've only ever seen some of the big titles. It, uh, you know, Ninja Scrolls one was cool. But anyway, I don't want to get into uh, just sort of the ones I've seen. I haven't seen a lot. I've seen, I could probably count them on maybe two or three hands, the feature-length films I've seen. I will tell you. You got three hands? Uh, I wish. You said, "How does you say two or three hands?" I was like, "Ooh, a third hand would be nice." It, I, I would, I would bend the fingers back down <laughs> and make it a third hand. Yeah. Um, I'd probably, yeah, I would say I could count them on two or three hands. <laughs> um, and the one director mm. whose work, and I, again, I haven't seen any Miyazaki, which you know, um, he's. I don't know if he's even really considered anime per se. He's a Japanese filmmaker who made animated films. Yeah. Anyway, forgive us if we come across um, as ignoramuses when it comes to the genre. I know there's some people that are very passionate about it. Yeah. It has a loyal following. Yeah. Um, it's just just me that I wasn't a big fan of other than Satoshi Kon's work. And again, yeah. I've seen a few of his films and think he's rad. Yeah. I mean, basically, yeah, we we are pretty ignorant to the genre in a lot of ways. Uh, we know of it, and like Will said, on our three hands, we can probably. Between the two of us, we've probably seen 15 films. Yeah. But uh, I've only seen the big ones, too. And even then, I haven't seen all the big ones. So No, I haven't seen all. I've seen some of the big ones. But, and again, I think I admire the aesthetic more. Like, I, I can, you know, some cool, cool screenshots and mm-hmm. kind of some stuff like that. But um, it was interesting that Eric picked this. It was an inspired choice. And this is kind of, a, uh, you know, the genesis of, I can imagine, of the genre. This is still hand-drawn and, you know, it's... Um, it was it was a pretty big deal over in in Japan. You know, it, it ran as a manga and TV show, and, and this was done as a movie again in 2010 or something to that effect that I read. So, um, the cover though for this from Eric, we should say, was kind of enough to buy it for us. Yes, very nice. So thank you for that. Um, did you read the this plot synopsis? Uh, the one on IMDb, I did. Yes. Cobra, famous space pirate one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I didn't recall that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's because you were talking about Julius Peppers at the time. That's right. My pepper sprung up in my Zubaz uh, when I... Uh, I am wearing my Packers Zubaz. I brought good luck, yo, in the past couple of days. Um, so, uh, fuck, I'm thinking about Julius Peppers. Um, the cover is so GGTMC, man. Yeah, it it's is. got this cigar-chomping, handsome rogue of a hero with a cannon for a hand, a topless woman with blue hair and a leather thong with a gun, um, and this female busty robot on a space bike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, GGTMC in space. 
very GGTMC. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool. And uh, I think that um, the... The film opens kind of interestingly, you know, this blue-haired warrior woman decapitates this um, this alien. She's like sort of a bounty hunter of sorts. And one of the things that I think the genre can do, and it's always interesting to me too, that um, uh, animated films never caught on as, a, as an adult medium like it did in Japan. Yeah, it is You know, like it, uh, it's very much respected as an adult medium there with it. There and, and in Korea, uh, there's the the, the medium um, has produced some very mature themed films that are respected more seriously. So I think it's interesting that it's just never. Is the, can you think of an animated film that's caught on here as like strictly for adults, other than like heady heady heavy metal? Not really. The, <clears throat> man, my voice is really gone today. The 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 animation in America, North America in particular, seems to be. The attitude toward animation to me seems to be it's for children, and the same way that uh, video game that that attitude that that's starting to go away. But there's a whole there's a whole generation of uh, adults who uh, think that video games and animation are just for kids, and uh, it's very strange. And uh, I think that's starting to change, and I think that North American animated films are going to become more adult based going forward. I really do believe that. Yeah, well, because our generation grew up with video games and anime, so I think it's it's certainly gonna that perception is going to change. Yeah, so I think uh, you know that, but but Japan's always kind of been ahead of the curve there, and, and and video games as well. It should be said they both of those things that are seen as this kind of adolescent or children based type entertainment. Uh, Japan's always kind of taken that stuff more seriously, even comics really in a lot of ways. Some of the comics, you know. You think about comic books. Most comic books were aimed at children up until the uh, '80s, really, in America. I would say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Other than you get into like the work of like Moore and yeah. people like that, uh, that's when it kind of shifted. But that was what like early '80s, like '83, '84, before that really started yeah. to shift. Yeah, and so I, I expect the same thing to happen with uh, uh, with uh, what you call it with an animation and. Uh, and uh, I think it is happening with video games quite a bit, but I think with animation, I think you'll see it too. That you know, it just it just takes you know. I don't think anybody like like if big filmmakers get involved in animation, I think you'll see it more. But I don't know if other than Robert Zemeckis, I don't really see any other big filmmakers really getting involved. No, so I'm actually true. stunned like the Wachowskis haven't done something because I got a strong Wachowski vibe. Uh, did didn't, didn't they do? Yeah, you're right. But didn't they do the uh, the Ma what was that Matrix anime they did? Um. Oh, uh, the Enter the Matrix stuff. I, I yeah, yeah. They make uh, yeah. I got that box up, but I've never you know I never watched any of that stuff. I I have it too, and I've never watched it ironically. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think they, they, I'm, you're right. This does very much. Uh, you can see that they would have would have seen this and dug it. And this film to me feels indebted to two things. It feels indebted to Star Wars, which at this point you couldn't help but escape its influence. And it also, at times, when it's not overly large or kind of um, new wavy in scope, um, feels like Blade Runner, noir a bit too. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. The universe it creates. I wish in some ways, see, it's an intergalactic film, and I wish in some ways it had have stayed more ground in kind of the alleyways and the neon but that's because I prefer things grounded more in, in an urban kind of environment. 
which is one of the reasons I think that um, Blade Runner works for me as well as it does as far as being my favorite sci-fi film because it's still very much grounded in reality. It's not right. spaceships right. and right. Tatooine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing I got to say is the, this genre always tends to produce strong females, and there's strong females in this. Yeah, there are, and uh, I, I like the uh, the kind of the owning of the sexuality of the characters in this, and uh, yeah, quite enjoyed yeah. that. Absolutely, and you know the space pirate thing—you could almost look at this as kind of like a hybrid, you know, a, a Han Solo, and you know, he kind of fits into that, and a bit of a James Bond type thing. Oh yeah, I love the idea of a space pirate. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's like the movie, Ice yeah, Pirates. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies from the eighties. There you go. Um, but I, I do love the idea of uh, a person with a ship, and I, that probably comes from the, my first exposure. That probably would have been Han Solo and Chewbacca, and uh, I really enjoy that idea. Uh, I wish there was, I wish there was more films and stuff that pursued it. Maybe there are in in the animated world, but <clears throat> they never really pursued it. So I mean. You get stuff like uh, Josh Whedon pursuing it in Firefly, which is something I know you've never seen, but I've seen that. I've and, seen Serenity, though. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right, Serenity. I, so. I thought it was fine. Yeah, so you get a little bit of that there, but again, it's... That's it's, a Han Solo riff, is all, is, is all uh, yeah. Mal or whatever his name is. All he is is a Han Solo. Totally, totally. It's an old school, same thing as uh, Han Solo, because he's got the, the six-shooter essentially on his hip, and it's all just a you know a, basically a Western space pirate type thing. But it just seems like a genre that's ripe for introspection, like and, and a lot of you know a lot of good ideas, and uh, with uh, special effects movies making so much money, it seems like they would roll the dice in Hollywood with more of that kind of stuff. But um, it's not it's not really when you think about space pirates, you don't really I can't think of a whole lot of films. No, no, definitely not. It's kind of surprised, definitely. kind of surprised when I think about it. But I mean, yeah. there are a few. There's. You know, uh, Corman made a couple. There's Battle Beyond the Stars and yeah, that's stuff right. like that. And Which I have on VHS. It's basically a Western. It has a Blu-ray on now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think it's Yojimbo, basically. I mean, uh, Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember. it's basically yeah. Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> um, wiki, wiki, a, wah. Yeah. <laughs> this has a rocket pack in it. And whenever I see the rocket pack, <laughs> I think of the Packers Chief Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> And I think of Filipino action movies. <laughs> yeah. There should be more, speaking of things, there should be more in films. There should be more rocket packs. Yeah. How hasn't that like really become a thing in this day and age, man? I don't know I how they haven't uh, perfected, perfected that, that science. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a lot of rocket pack accidents. Yeah, that's probably, they need to fix that. <laughs> it's pretty dangerous. Um, yeah, absolutely. But this thing deals with sort of noir elements, absolutely, because it also has sort of this man on a run with no memory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So certainly some very much some the script though for this is dreadful. It's it's on par with Samurai Cop and how kind of straight faced and expository it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta say that. It made me want to smoke a cigar bad though. It did. Made me, want, made me want to chew a cigar. Yeah, yeah. Fucking uh, Cobra man. Cobra is amazing. He uh he uh the the cigar that he has is the most um, resilient cigar in the history of cinema. It doesn't go out underwater. Yeah. He keeps that thing in between his teeth and water. It's like that dude, uh, Max, um, <laughs> what's his name? Max, the, the actor, Max, uh, he was the no, no Retreat, No Surrender 2. Oh. Max Thayer. There you go. It's fucking Max Thayer in space, man. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his cigars. Um, lots of lasers in this film, which is great. 
Now, one thing I did find to be a bit annoying about the film, or maybe not annoying, but I feel like it, it, it felt a bit um, distracted or unfocused for me, was there's a lot of kind of new agey Eastern philosophy and romance in this film. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I feel like the film had to keep its foot on the gas. It gets too ponderous about love and life and, and sort of existential questions at times that I feel like you don't need to do that. Just keep your foot on the gas. Have it be this chasey kind of noiry film and you're good to go because there's some really strong visuals in the film. Uh, oh, you know who else Cobra reminds me of? Is uh, like if this had been made in like the 70s, it could have been Burt. It feels like very much like a Burt slash Terrence Hill kind of Pratt Folly action hero. Yeah. What are you looking at? Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> Apologies. That's okay. You could definitely um, tell, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I got lost in lost in something. Lost, <clears throat> lost in the no, 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 totally. It, it's got this roguish hero. Yeah, I mean, you could totally put somebody like that in there. <laughs> uh, there's um, there's a lot of purifying. I hope, I hope I'm commenting on what you said correctly. <laughs> It's like in class when I asked <laughs> I asked Mr. Samurai a question, yeah. um, and uh, I got distracted. Sorry, that's okay. There's, we don't hear the term cryogenically frozen very much anymore. And my voice it's is not, starting to get. I mean, you can hear my voice is like going as we go along here. You can hear it's like it's almost completely gone. It's like a four pack a day voice now. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the term you really hear cryogenically frozen. That was a thing for you know a time, but it feels like we've gotten past our fixation on that technology. Um, the villain in this reminds me of the love child of Destro, Doctor Doom, and C three PO. Yeah. Oh. Oops. <laughs> I'm podcasting with the man above. Yeah. The man upstairs. I want to Holy. say my vo- my voice is changing only slightly. <laughs> oh boy. Gee whiz. Oh um, man. Oof. I, I hit the wrong effect the first time though. I can. Be, I need some Gregorian monks. Is this an Enya song? <laughs> Let me see if I can find that one again there. What's the yeah, word? No, no, that's, that's not. That's that's not, not. <laughs> no. No. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, let's get away from that. Let's get away. That's, that, that's not for us. That's for rock stars. <laughs> yeah. um, not for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. I'm not going to touch that. It does make our voice, my voice sound better today. Well, maybe not better, but it definitely was, I could probably get, uh, get away with a lot more voice breaking if I use the effect today. There you go. Uh, I love the, uh, there's like this kind of bizarre visual motif of Phantom of the Opera, Dr. Fives with this organ, and, you know, that's let, let no one say that um, uh, aliens on ice planets don't like a good disco. Maybe cold outside, but it's hot inside. On yeah, the yeah. Dance floor. yeah. I love the nightclub scene, and I love the uh, snow gorillas. Dude, the snow gorillas are great, and I love the sexy ski jumpers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. amazing. It's this group, this army of, like, Ski jump, the ski jumping army. They're all women, yeah. and it's great because that chick, she's wearing no eye patch. She got Higgins' memo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, this feels like a. It's a very kind of like a, in a way, it's kind of like a teenage film in some way. Like he's got just like the right amount of sex, yeah, and the right amount of uh, kind of roguish behavior and everything else to be like a like a teenage boy's like a, kind of a wet dream idea of a movie. That's right. And I kind of enjoyed it for that. It kind of took me back to that. Uh, that era when I was growing up and I, I was looking for stuff like that, you know, stuff that I could uh, find that kind of, you know, turned me on in both ways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I got to say though, the film is a bizarre experience. It is the three sisters. It, it's, it gets very kind of. Uh, I was going to make an Argento reference, like crossed up my note, realizing that they didn't say the three mothers. Yeah. Um, I got to say, man, Cobra's got a great wardrobe. Fur-lined, cropped coats, these red kind of spandex suits. I mean, he's 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 uh, he's got it all, man. He's he's a man for with an outfit for every occasion. So it's great. Yeah. The only thing I would say is Cobra didn't get the memo. Um, you know, I know he's in space, but. Come on, bruh. Got to get off the Camus uh, <laughs> whiskey and get into the JMB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Those are all my notes, actually. I, I want to say, though, when I say that, you know, it's like very teenage, I don't mean like, you know, like the stereotypical teenage anime fan. What I'm talking about is, you know, just the, the elements or something that I think a teenager would be attracted to. I want to make sure I get that out there. Because <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm trying. Yeah, no, you didn't mean it in a condescending way. You no, just meant no. that there, there's a lot of kind of you know, a lot of joyous energy and, and the way a lot of the stuff, well, much like a sex comedy, or certain elements mm-hmm. would, appeal, yeah. would would really appeal to you know to a to a certain age, or not to say it wouldn't now, but it brings it harkens back to a nostalgic time, a nostalgic formula. Yeah, the right exactly. mix of sexy and fun and adventure. And, yeah. And that's what that's what it that's what I really liked about it. I mean, it is like I said, a bizarre experience. But when I say a bizarre experience, I mean it's unlike any film I've watched, and and not ever, but in in the last ten years, yeah, a lot of ways it is. Although, like I said, I did get a strong, you know, I, I know the Wachowskis are big on uh, manga, comics, uh, anime, all that kind of stuff. So I did get a strong vibe, and I feel like they did see this film at some point in their lives because um, I did get some very strong Matrix vibes from it. Uh, what I do always love about animated films is you have this kind of boundless palette for imagination. Uh, you can do anything, really. Uh, as long as you can draw it and realize it, you can do anything. I mean, you don't have to worry about budget as much. So you can kind of, you know, I'm always, I think sometimes I go into animated films with the, and I'm kind of disappointed when people don't go even further because I feel like, you know, you could go so far with it. That's the thing. The scope is there for you. The possibilities are endless. It's only limited by your imagination, which is the thing I love is how big the sandbox can be in that world. Yeah. It's a, it's actually interesting to me that there haven't been more like these epic films made in recent years by these. Of course, I don't know the the labor and, and the intensity of the cost for these animated films made in the States now, these computer animated films, but... <laughs> It just seems to me like there's a, a whole world out there ripe for taking when it comes to really big epics uh, told in, in, in animated form. It just seems like there's a lot of room for that. But I never really kind of realized. I was watching some of the Croods last night with my son on Netflix, and uh, there's some uh, interesting ideas in there and stuff, but I, I kept thinking it was going to get bigger, and it just never felt like it got big enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, man, they, they could really have gone here and gone there and really opened this thing up. There's a little bit of an Avatar vibe in there because of it. They kind of end up in this. They kind of go from this drab, plain world to this kind of colorful world. And, you know, it's supposed to be a metaphor for, uh, you know, ex- uh, adventure and experiencing new things. You know, for you know, you know, how animated films are for children. You know, and um, it felt like it could have went so many more ways, and it just kind of doesn't. And I always wonder if it's a budget restriction or how much their cost, you know, how much it costs to pay animators and stuff. Because it's it's not a world I know a lot about, right? So, mm-hmm. or like the Peabody film, I haven't seen it yet, but it feels like you know there's so much room for exploration there with a time machine. But uh, I bet that they don't go as deep as they should or could. 
Oh man, it's yeah. I mean, like I said, it's good that it opens up that dialogue for kids, but yeah, a lot of it's handled kind of. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I do love the uh, the red uh, the red suit, and we should, we should get some red suits. Yeah, some red cat suits for me and Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get some red cat suits, baby. <laughs> some uh, go to the nightclub. Yeah, <laughs> on that ice planet, man. Yeah, uh, whip out my snow gorilla. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the film also feels it's also got a strong uh, kind of danger diabolic vibe a little bit yes, too. That's know, true. That's true. It does. Got kind of that good vibe to it, and yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. It, it, it but it, it, it's hard for me without any without a lot of perspective. And only so many anime films to compare it to. I feel like I kind of, I feel like I kind of short shrift this thing a little bit because uh, I don't really know how to compare it to other films. So I can only compare it to a regular film. And I got to say the the sense of adventures there, but the narrative's a little all over the place for me. Um, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's it can be a little out there. There was times when I had to go back and say, okay, where where am I at now? Uh, because I got a little lost in the film a little bit. Because there's some great visual stuff in here with the uh, the three sister thing and some great uh, kind of like psychedelic imagery and stuff. Like you know, if I was a little altered, this film would have been very important to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, no. Other than that, I mean, it, it the narrative moves along pretty quickly, uh, and so I had to kind of go back and and check things because I, I got confused sometimes with the sisters. Yes, I'm not gonna lie. So. <laughs> I'd be an asshole if I sit here and said I, I get everything in this film, but I, I don't because I don't always understand the genre that well. But I got to say this was entertaining, and um, I had a few moments where I had to pause and uh, change the channel because my son kept coming in while I was watching this. And uh, I don't have any problem with him seeing certain things, but I have a problem with me trying to explain certain things to him, like why is there a, a space woman with stars on her nipples? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to explain well, that. It's easier. It would have been easier if it just would have been boobs. This My, would have been yeah. bare tits. It would have been easier to explain than, than stars on the nipples. That's right. Well, <laughs> William woke up last night and he woke up as Sophia Loren was in lingerie in a sun hat <laughs> yeah. doing a striptease for Marcello Mastriani. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you have children, you inevitably you come across these things. Yeah. These moments where you're like, yeah, you know, I take for granted stars on nipples, but. Uh, you know, I had to explain that to my son, and it's funny because you know he's 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 not reached that point obviously where he's noticed women that way, but he he has reached a point where he can be mesmerized by images, mm-hmm. and he'll come into the room and he'll be talking and he'll say dad, and then he'll see the TV and he'll just keep saying dad, dad. <laughs> I'm like yeah, Landon, dad. And I'm like okay, let me turn the TV off for a second. <laughs> let's uh, let's get out what you got to get out here. <clears throat> so you know. Didn't want to have to explain that uh, the stars on the nipples, even though I look forward to that conversation one day. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny though that the, the covering of the nipples would be more odd and sexual and strange to explain to a child than actually the bare breast would be. No, no. Very strange. True. Very strange. That was always my grandmother's philosophy. It's like, what's the big deal about seeing a tit? It's kind of a bigger. <laughs> it's kind of a bigger deal to to cover the nipple up because now you're paying. You're now you're looking. At the tit even more. That's right. So she she always had a point about that. So there you go. Thank you, Grandma. But uh, yeah, no. The thing, I want to thank Eric for buying it for us and stuff. And uh, yeah, I look forward to watching this again someday. Uh, showing it to some people. I definitely want to show this to a friend of mine who's into this kind of stuff. I don't know if he's ever seen it, but I have a feeling he may have. I definitely want to show it to him. 
Yeah, that G- that GGTMC nightclub. That's what I got on here for a note. <laughs> it's definitely a GGTMC moment. Almost <laughs> like the Tron nightclub. Yeah. And uh, Tron, uh, the sequel, Tron Legacy or whatever. All right, but that's all my thoughts on uh, Space Adventure Cobra. All right. Um, my make or break is the disco scene. I love a good disco scene. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it works for me. There's a lot of fun stuff, like I said, visually, but being a man who loves to dance and <laughs> loves a good wardrobe, uh, I'll take the disco club scene. It's on an ice planet. So, fantastic. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with Cobra himself. He's, he's a perfect kind of lovable rogue cigar-chomping, space pirate hero, uh, you know, so he works quite well. My score is a 6.5. Uh, it's a fun film, certainly, and, uh, you know, it's one I could show the kids when they're, what, 11 or 12, maybe, or, I don't know, something like, maybe a little bit older, I don't know, who knows, but, uh, you know, it's a good one, and um, I'm glad that he picked it, and we got to kind of stretch our legs on some some anime. Yeah, just don't show your kids the overfiend. No. <laughs> Yeah, um, my make or break. I uh, really love the uh, when the snow gorillas pop up. I wanted more snow gorillas. Oh, I love. Actually, sorry, I love the scene with the ski jumping women too. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. I mean that, that 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 was a lot of fun. It takes a long time to get there, but I really like that whole snow gorilla ski jumping women. Uh, that kind of craziness is fun. Just love it. Uh, my MVT. I'm gonna go with Dazaki on this one. Uh, nice. Uh, because uh, you know, one thing you can say about anime is it's it's truly a creator's medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's drawing and directing and, and creating this whole thing, it really kind of comes out of his mind. So yep. it's very interesting to me that that whole. And I'm sure there's a lot more anime that's good, but like I said, I've seen a lot of bad. So uh, I, I went through my time with it. I went through my time with it. You know, I, I, I tried. I dabbled. Uh, my score is the same as yours, six point five. We're on the same page with this one. I think it's it, it's a good film. Um, I'd be interested to watch it with my son one day. I would be interested to see what his reaction to it may be. Yes, uh, I saw a little bit of his reaction to it earlier, <laughs> but uh, slightly different. All right, so that is the big show this week, man. Um, we're actually finishing on time. <laughs> Yay! Who to thunk it? Uh, next week, next week is Diabolic DVD, but we're also squeezing in a toy for tot in there. Uh, we're going to be doing. Uh, it was my time to pick, so we're doing uh, Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter. Speaking of the Carpenter, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, doing good old Prince of Darkness, uh, film that both me and you have talked about before. So, and I haven't seen it in years, so I'm looking forward to revisiting that nice. on Blue. And uh, we're doing uh, Todd, good friend of the show, Todd's Toys for Tots. A lot of T's. In there, uh, his pick was Camille 2000. Radley Metzger, yo. Yeah, GGTMC <laughs> debut. <laughs> yeah. So we're doing that one as well on Blu-ray as well. So that'll be fun. It'll be fun to talk about that one. So that is the big show next week. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Just get over uh, there and donate Indiegogo. Get over there and donate, and I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> All right. So with that, we will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207 And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com 